2 Peter chapter number 1. Second Peter chapter one, it says in verse number one, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The topic of today is we need the church to grow in grace. Now we're going to look at the verses that surround this topic. We're going to look at a couple of other passages. It's going to be more of a Bible study kind of a style today. We're talking about growing in grace. How do we grow in grace? Well, we don't do it by ourselves. Thankfully, we are not responsible for growing in grace by ourselves. God has given us an incredible support structure in the local church. And we're going to look at that today. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you would bless now as we look into your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that if someone is here today, they're not sure that they're saved, that you would show them through your word. You would convince them that they need to place their faith and trust in you alone. And Lord, for those of us who are saved, I pray that you would reinforce and help us to see this truth in your word that you've given us the local church to help us grow. We love you. Please help me as I speak. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to notice in verse number one, Simon Peter. Now, this is the apostle, the apostle Peter. And he's the one who wrote this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this particular book of the Bible has his name on it, Peter, okay, Simon Peter, and he describes himself and he says, a servant and an apostle. Now, a servant is something that we should all be. We should all be servants of the Lord if we're saved. An apostle was a special thing that only several people could have, and he was one of these special people that were trained bodily under Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. The apostle Paul was another one And he was trained a little bit later bodily also by Jesus Christ in a separate in a a couple of years later. But we're not looking to become an apostle, but we are looking for here's this here's this this message from the servant of the Lord. Here's this message from the apostle. We'll look into that in just a moment. But it says to them now he's he's this is who he's addressed the letter to. Who is he addressing this to? He's addressing it to them that have obtained like precious faith. What does that mean? He's saying, I'm writing this to save people everywhere. That's to us. When we're reading this, he's writing it to me right now. Okay? He's writing it to you right now. Now I want you to look at the very end of the chapter. Okay? We're going to look at the very end of the chapter. Now we're going to devote an entire message to this next week, Lord willing, on the reliability of the scriptures. Can we rely on the scriptures? The short answer is yes, we can. Next week, Lord willing, we'll jump into that, okay? 
But just uh, so that we can understand a little bit more, it says in First uh, Peter, or sorry, Second Peter one, and it says in verse sixteen, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, so he's saying these are not just beautiful stories. These are not cunningly devised fables. This is not found in the classical literature section of the library or in the bookstore where it's just, it's extra, extra special. Okay, Uh, the people that try to say, that you know the Bible's full of myths and all that kind of stuff. That certainly is not the tr- is not the case, and we'll jump into that more next week. But um, it says here in verse number twenty, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. So that means several things. But the simple explanation is there's not just one person that can stand up and say I completely understand what the Bible is saying. I have special knowledge and hidden knowledge of what the Bible is saying. No, no, it is, we should be able to read the Bible and understand it. It's not just for a certain special closeted few. He's saying, hey, I'm writing this to who? Not just to special people, not just to the biblical elite. It's not just for the clergy. It's for those who have the common faith. It's for believers. God wants you to have the scriptures. God wants you to understand the scriptures. That's the reason why he wrote it down. He didn't just say it to Peter and then Peter spoke and then it fell and it was over. It wasn't just oral tradition that was passed on story to story to story to story. He's like, no, I want you to write it down and I want every believer to have it. And it says in verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. It wasn't Peter who decided, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write about some things that I understand about Christianity. That is not what we're looking at here. Okay. When we look at the names of the people who wrote the different books, it was not their decision in the sense where it was not by the will of man. It was not me saying, hey, I've got some thoughts about Christianity. I'm gonna, let me write those down. And then they're passed down, okay, from generation to generation. And that's how we have a Bible. That's not how it happened. Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We believe in God. It is not a stretch to think that God can speak to a human being and that human being can then write down the words that God speaks to him. That's how we have the word of God. Now, that's the very short answer. We'll get into the longer one later. But it's important for us when we're talking about growing in grace to understand we need the scriptures to grow. We need the scriptures to grow and the scriptures are for every believer. They're for all of us. It's for me. It's for you. It's not just for a couple of few to to, to go off and study in a school and then for everyone else to just be in the dark and say, well, we'll just kind of take your word for it. No, it says in verse number one that it's to them that have obtained like precious faith. Now, let's look at these words real quick. Obtained. It means you have it. 
It doesn't mean you hope you have it. If you die today, are you 100% sure that you go to heaven? I hope so. That doesn't sound like obtained. What does obtained mean? It means you have it. It's yours. You've obtained the car. You've obtained the house. You've obtained the clothes that you're wearing right now. They're yours. You have them. You possess them. Okay? He's saying, I'm writing this to the people that have obtained the faith. Do we realize that salvation can be obtained? It can be yours. It's meant to be yours. Again, it's not meant for just a couple select few out there who are super, super good, okay? Or the people that have worked really, really hard at it. No, no, no. Thank God it is those who have obtained. And notice how he describes the faith. I love this. We should love the wording. Don't you just love the way the Bible is worded? Now, sometimes the words are a little uncommon. We got to look them up. That's okay. Okay, that means God's a little smarter than me. And you would kind of expect him to be a little smarter than us. Okay. Um, Have obtained like precious faith. It's also described as the common faith. Obtained like precious faith. Uh, There is an internet teacher, Christian teacher out there. And my pastor friends have told me about this guy and we communicate the different, lots of pastors around Canada and in the U.S. we communicate. And, uh, and they said, hey, you know, uh, just wanted to let you know about this one particular guy on YouTube. And he tries to say that there are three different salvations in the Bible. There's the one from Jesus. There's the one from Paul. And there's the one from, who else does he say? Somebody else. Peter, maybe, I'm not sure. Anyway. There's three different salvations. Uh, That's not what the Bible says. Uh, Don't worry. We'll eventually get, because we're going through a series, we're going to preach through the book of of 2 Peter. Chapter 2 talks about false teachers, the warning of false teachers. How do we know if someone's telling us the truth? Well, Pastor Corey said, ah, wrong answer. Because I can be wrong. You know what's always right? The word of God is always right. You realize that God wanted us to know the truth? He didn't say, hey, just trust whatever Peter said. Mm -mm. No, no, no. We're not just trusting what Peter said. Matter of fact, again, notice, I'm jumping ahead of myself. You'll, you'll, You'll find I do that a lot. Verse 16, once again. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, He's like, look, guys, we're not, we're not believing these make-believe things here, okay? Uh, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, Peter actually saw Jesus. He knew what his face looked like. He saw him perform miracles. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw everything. But Peter is not saying, believe me. Believe me as me. Notice. It says in verse number 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. We're not just believing it because Peter wrote it down and he was an eyewitness. We're believing it because the God himself told Peter to write these things down. This is God speaking to us. We can rely on the scriptures. It's not just for a a chosen few. 
It is for us. It is for everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Now, he's drawing the group. He's trying to show, again, the very last verse says, and we know this one, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So from the very first verse, he's talking about, he's talking about an us. He's talking about, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm an apostle. There's a, there's a common faith. There's like precious faith. And then he's saying, I want you to, I want you to, 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 to know what we know. I want you to grow in the knowledge of what God has given us in his word. Obtained like precious faith with us. There's an us. There's a group. There's a gathering. There are individual people that have trusted Christ as their savior. They have the faith. That person has 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 the faith. It's like precious faith. And then they come together and they form an us. They have a group. And when he goes through and he begins to talk about how we can grow in grace, it's spoken in a group setting. It's spoken to a group. God never designed us. He never designed the Christian life for us to go off by ourselves in our own home, in our own time, and grow by ourselves. That is not the way it's designed. And people that try that don't grow. Pastor, I'm just having a really difficult time growing. Are you a part of the us? Are you a part of the group? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Let's look at verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, stop. Let's look at verse number 11 first. Okay. He gave apostles. We talked about them just for a moment. That's Peter's one of those. Okay. We'll just talk about him just for a second. Prophets and some evangelists. Okay. And pastors and teachers. Now, How do we get the benefits of all of these teachers and all of this background? How do we get the benefit of that? Okay. Verse number 12 for the, and and what is their job? Their job is for the perfecting of the saints or for the maturing of the saints. Okay. The reason why God has given all of these different offices is to bring us into maturity. And let's put it another way to bring us to growth. God has given teachers. He calls people into the ministry he called the Peter to be an apostle and he calls pastors and teachers, both men and women. Okay. Women are teachers as well. Miss April's over there teaching. Why? 
Why is she over there teaching? For growth. To grow in grace. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up. Now, again, it's, let's, not, let's not lose the beauty in, 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 in the language here. We need the church to grow in grace. We've talked about the last couple of weeks how oftentimes we want things to change in our life. I want change. I want that to change. People have this idea where they come to God, they come to church, they learn a little bit, and they kind of think, I'm going to get some knowledge I'm going to understand God a little better and then this will change in my life. Is that true? In some cases it is, but most of the time what God is interested in is he's interested in changing us. He's not interested in us going to church and, 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 and getting a little knowledge about God and then, and then God changing everything and, and, and he's going to change our work situation. He's going to change our family situation. He's going to change our financial situation. No, no, no. He's going to teach you a truth. Remember, that's why he gave us the Bible. He gave us the Bible so that it's, the truth is not just floating out there in the universe somewhere or it doesn't just die some 2,000 years ago when Peter got the first word from the Holy Spirit and he spoke it to that first group. No, no. He wants for us to have it with us. Why? Because he wants us to grow. Okay, so then I come up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible. I've got my Bible. I've got it on my device or I ordered one off of Amazon and now I've got my Bible. How does all this work? Guys, we need to be taught. We, we've got to come and we need to be taught. And what do we learn when we come and we are taught the truth? We are taught that God wants us to change. He wants us to grow. He wants to grow me. How does that, but, 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 but where, but how? In church. Growth occurs at church. Growth occurs at church. That was his design. It says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, when you see the word like that, body of Christ, that's referring to the church. The church is the body of Christ. Now, let's look at something here. Verse number 14. Yeah, so I'm in Ephesians 4, verse number 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Now, again, we see, we see the difference in the language here. Okay? Uh, in verse number 13, it talks about a perfect man or a, or a mature person. He's, talking, he's drawing the distinction between those who are growing and growing in their maturity, they're growing in grace, and those who are children. Right? We see the difference. Okay, don't lose me here. I know today's a little bit more academic. I get that. We're here for knowledge too. <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we learn. That's how we grow in the, in the Christian life. Okay? If someone is struggling and they need something to change, God's saying, I want you to change. How, did, how does he want us to change? He wants us to grow. Where do, we, where do we grow? We grow in church. Not only when we hear the message, but when we see the examples, when we see one another, we, we, we see what other people are doing and we learn from them. 
He says in verse number 14, I want to see the opposite of this. The opposite of someone who doesn't grow. Or let's put it another way. The opposite of someone who just doesn't go to church. A Christian, but they don't go. They don't think that church is necessary for their growth. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Again, talking about maturity. Tossed to and fro. I feel like I'm struggling connecting with you guys just a little bit today. But I want us to see that the exact same sequence is extended over here in Peter. Don't lose me. I got to take off my jacket. I'm burning off. Don't lose me on this one. Which apostle wrote the Ephesians? Paul did. Okay, this is one reason why we know that scripture came from God is because when we look at Peter and we look at Paul, yeah, they kind of knew each other, but they were, they were in totally different parts of the world. And when they're writing something, it's like, wow, how, how does this match up completely with, with, what, with what my buddy Peter over here is writing? Because it all came from God. And even different years, I mean, same time frame, they were both alive at the same time. But he's trying to say, hey, there's an us. You guys see the us here? There's the apostles, the prophets, the preachers, the teachers. For what purpose? For growth. That's That's the purpose. Okay, well, what happens if we don't grow? What happens if we don't grow is we're going to be like children. We're going to be tossed to and fro. Well, what does that mean? Like, okay, he's kind of giving us like a boating, which back then in that culture, it was very common. All around the Mediterranean Sea, everybody was familiar with boats. All of the major towns were fairly close to the Mediterranean Sea, and these big storms would come up, and they knew. When, when in that culture, in that particular time, when he's describing immaturity and being tossed around like you're on a boat without a sail or without a captain, it made perfect sense to people when he's drawing this word picture, right? So he's saying, you're like children tossed to and fro, verse number 14. Now, how does he describe them being tossed to and fro? Tossed, okay, look, stop. Does toss to and fro sound like growth? What does toss to and fro mean? Just discombobulated. There's a big word. I don't even know how to spell that one. It's like your life is inside the dryer. You guys ever put a shoe in the dryer? Right? Right? Yeah? Yeah? And the, the, look, my wife is awesome. And uh, something that she's learned to do nowadays with Marcus, because he's a little boy, what does she have to do before she throws his stuff in the washer and the dryer? He has to check the pockets. What's in his pockets? Heaven knows. Crayons. Money. Somehow he gets money. I don't know where he gets the money from. Right? You know what happens if you keep, you know, a crayon, a little color? You know what happens if you keep that in the pants pocket and it goes to the dryer? Man, I'll tell you what, everything's got a stain on it. Right? It's all, it's, it, the heat, it's just tossing, tossed, toss, being tossed around. Just, it's tossed around. You know, some people's lives are, they're, they're not, hey, some people's lives are described not by growth, Not by learning, 
not by maturing in the faith where the faith seems to make more sense to them where they kind of kind of get they kind of get it a little bit month after month they kind of like oh yeah I'm I'm not an expert by the way the apostle Paul says I'm not attained I'm not an expert but they're kind of they're they're getting it they're growing they're seeing it work in their daily life then you've got other ones they're just tossed they're tossed around they've got no stability They've got nothing holding them down. And so then because they're being tossed around, they start looking for answers. I don't know what to do. Where do people nowadays, where do they go when they look for answers? Right? Everything from how to change a tire to why am I so confused in my life right now? Which you don't want to Google that. Oh, I know. All the experts are on YouTube. I'll YouTube it. Thankfully, the Holy Ghost and Scripture, that's what determines truth, not algorithms. Algorithms determine what's most popular and what pops up to the top or maybe who's paid for all of their friends and, and they've got, you know, and it's like, oh, that's what, oh, so that, that's got the most views. So that, that must be what's true. No, that's not what's true. Toss to and fro by what, what tosses them to and fro? That's a good question because it describes what is tossing these immature believers. They're not growing. They're being tossed. Hey, growth is slow and steady. My parents haven't seen my kids in a couple of months. And we were in the States last week. We met with my parents for about 12 hours. Real quick. One of the first things that popped out of their mouth was, wow, you've grown. What didn't happen overnight? It grows slowly. Marcus's pants go from here to here. Always buying pants for that child. People, listen. There's a huge difference in the life of a Christian who grows and they, they grow into the understanding of Scripture and they grow into the knowledge of how to make decisions in their life and they grow into not making emotional choices. It doesn't happen overnight. It's growth. It's progress. That only happens at church. It only happens at church. And by the way, even when we come to church, we, have to, we still have to be very diligent and very intentional for our path to be that of growth. But what causes them to be so tossed? They're looking for answers and everything's just tossed around. It says tossed around and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Whoa. What does that mean? They're looking for answers. They want to know what to do. And instead of just coming and planting themselves in a local church, the way God designed it. They go looking. 
tasting, googling, and what is their life typified by? Growth? No, confusion. Confusion. Their life is typified by, not by growth. I want answers. Answers come through growth. You know, one of the awesome things about God is if you do things your, if you do things his way, you will have the answer when you need the answer. Here's the awesome thing about just doing things God's way. The timing is perfect. We can get so impatient with God's timing. And we can go off looking for answers. Carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, again, this is the day before YouTube, before the internet. So back then, it was more of Greek philosophers. And there's a bunch of them. They've all got different schools. And they'd go fishing. And they'd try them out. And they'd go tasting. And they'd go listening. Carried about with every wind of doctrine. Look at this. Verse 14. By the slight of men. What does that mean? Slight. You guys know slight of hand? Magic tricks? Is it really magic? No, it's misdirection. They do the... Right? They do the whole, hey, look over here. And then meanwhile, here's the magic over here. Right? Now, I don't know any magic tricks. I know one, and I'm not going to do it. But what is it? It's misdirection. It's slight. It's trick. Tricky. People are so, listen, people are so cautious of being tricked, which is good. But don't be so cautious you never grow. How do I know it's, it's a good place to grow? Does it line up with scripture? Is it a church? Oh, I don't really go to church. I just kind of do my own thing. Wrong answer. That's not the way God designed it. Uh, this is not a real plan. Otherwise, Miss April would get mad what I'm about to do with this plan. Are these bundled? They're kind of bundled. Let's pretend this is real. Let's talk about, let's talk about growth. How does, this, how, how does a plant grow? It needs soil, which this is fake, so there's no soil. It needs some water. Different plants need different amount. It needs a little sunlight. Again, different plants need different amount. There's something that we often don't talk about. It needs to stay in the pot or in the ground. So here's a person that's looking for answers. And for for a day or two or a month or six months, they come to church. And God's like, that's awesome. Things are starting to clear up. They're starting to understand some things. They see different examples. They're starting to understand the Bible. They get into a good rhythm. They're coming, they're making the intention, they're reading their Bible, they're praying, right? On our little list, read scripture, attend church, pray, right? And then all of a sudden something happens. 
And instead of being patient with God, do we understand that a part of growth is being patient with God? Really, the way scripture defines that is trust. Being patient with God is, in our minds, I'm going to be patient with, with you, God, not because we're the ones in charge, but just kind of sometimes that's the way we understand it. But really what we're choosing is, I'm going to trust you right now. I don't understand what's happening and I really want some answers, but I'm going to trust you right now. But here's what happens with the person who's tossed. And here's, here, here's what happens to the person who's, who's, who's tossed around with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man. They're so, they're so vulnerable and so susceptible. That, that one's not working. So we're going to go plant it here. But I'm not getting the answer I'm hoping for. It's not working out for me. And I Googled this one and this ad came up and it looked pretty good. That's how people make decisions, unfortunately. And so now we're going to go try this. What's going to happen to this plant if you keep on moving it every couple of weeks? Is it going to die? Is it ever going to grow? Is it ever going to be fruitful? Okay, what happens to the person that just doesn't decide? You know what? I'm going to do this God's way and I'm just going to I'm just going to plant myself. I'm just going to go to church. Guys, listen, the pandemic has wreaked havoc on this. And this is why I'm talking about it. It's because for 2 years now, 3 years, 4 years, how long, I can't even know how how long was it? Is it COVID-19. So, end of 19, 20, now it's 22, solid 2 2 plus. People's schedules, sickness, scariness and 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 now people are they're they're experimenting they're trying they've been out of church and a lightning bolt hasn't hit them so it must be okay some people think like that what's going to happen to people's growth they're not going to grow they're not going to grow and problems are coming into their life and things get difficult and things get confusing and they go start looking around and they're just like, you know what? I just, I don't know what to trust. And so I'm just going to trust myself. Oh, okay. That's almost the worst thing you can do. Trust yourself. We can't trust ourselves. The heart is deceitful. The Bible says in Jeremiah, the heart, the human heart, just trust your heart. Worst advice ever. Don't go to Disney movies for advice. Stop going to Disney movies for advice. Just trust your heart and be fine if you just believe. Believe what? Believe who? I got one laugh out of that joke. I'm upset. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. You're awesome. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Lie in wait. They're waiting. Ambush. They are waiting to ambush the people who are constantly hungry and looking for answers. And they don't just go say, well, this is what God says. He says to just go plant myself in my local church. And I know I can trust that local church because it lines up with scripture. If I ever say something or preach something, you're like, I don't think that lines up with scripture. Let's talk about it. And if I'm wrong, I will admit it. I'm making that promise to you. This is what's right. I will grow if I plant myself in God's word. Let me show you something really cool. Go back to 2 Peter. 
2 Peter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. There he is. We already talked about it. With us, talking about the church. Okay? He's talking about the common faith, those who have trusted Christ. Okay? Again, if we, if, if we were to flip our Bibles back and forth constantly to Ephesians 4, we would see the almost exact same outline. It's almost like the same person said it. Well, that's because it is. It both came from God, right? So he's trying to say an apostle, remember, in Ephesians 4, it says he gives apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. He goes to that list and I messed up the order, but that's the list, right? So he's saying, he's saying right here, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ that have obtained like precious faith with us, right? With us. So he's talking about the church and, and Ephesians 4 is talking about the body of Christ. Right? And then, and, and then he gets into growth. And here's the growth. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. There's the growth. Partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now he's giving us the steps of growth. And we'll go through that at a different time. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, to patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look at the description of verse number nine, and I want us to think about the whole tossed about with everyone to doctrine bit. Now he's saying if you don't grow, if... If you don't grow based on the apostles, which he is one of, on the us, which is the church, again, same pattern Paul talked about, according to the word of God, there it is, what's going to happen? What's your life going to look like? Verse 9, he that lacketh these things, if you don't grow, if you're not doing it God's way, if you're not saved, if you're not with the us, if you're not in God's word, if you're not growing it says, but he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off. And I've forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Tossed. Forgotten. Blind. Now jump to chapter 2. 2 Peter 2. This, is, this whole sermon is all coming around to this point right here. We need the church to grow in grace. We need the church to grow in grace. We need the church to grow in grace. We cannot, we will not grow outside of the church. What's going to happen if I don't? Well, Ephesians describes it as being tossed about with every wind of doctrine, susceptible, which means you will fall prey to trickery and people that are, they're waiting, lying in wait to deceive. It's almost like, it's almost like an ambush in a dark alley. They're just waiting for somebody to come down in the wrong neighborhood. There you go. Bam. Gotcha. We've been waiting for you. <laughs> and yes, those people are out there in the religious sense. And in the philosophy sense, they are waiting to take advantage of you. They are. They absolutely are. So he describes the tossed part in verse number nine. 
He's blind. He cannot see afar off. He doesn't know what's happening. But notice in verse number two, the entire chapter two, and we'll, and we'll study this at a later time. But look at verse number one. But there were false prophets. Also among the people. Even as there shall be false prophets among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many. Guys, look what it says in verse two. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be even spoken of. And through, it's almost word for word. They lie in wait to deceive. It says in Ephesians 4. Looking to take advantage of you. Verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Whose judgment? Now he's going to pronounce judgment on the false teachers. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. And he goes through and describes that judgment. It's the same thing, guys. Do we see that? Okay, so let's wrap this up. So if I'm a Christian and I want to grow, I need to make sure I'm doing it God's way. I also need to be aware and I also need to be very cautious of the fact that I can be tricked into thinking that outside the church is safer than inside. I'm just going to take a little break. I need to figure some things out for myself. Please don't. Don't ever figure things out for yourself. I'm not telling you to do what I am. I don't want to tell you what to do. That is not my job. But God's plan is to come to church and let him tell you. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Who said that? Jesus. He didn't say that for the Christian who stays at home. He didn't say that for the Christian who tries to join virtually. He doesn't join virtually. He joins physically, spiritually. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Satan is going to do everything in his power to convince you not to be faithful to church. He's going to do everything within his power to trick you into listening to some life coach expert. Which, hey, if they're teaching you discipline and how to work out, praise God, because I like that stuff. That's awesome. And there's nothing in the Bible about that. We're talking about people who try to spiritualize everything. They're ch- everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Isn't it? Uh, that's just too simple, Pastor. Thank God it's simple. 
You mean simply if I just stay in church, then God will take care of me? Uh, kind of, yeah. Not that your life will be perfect, but you'll grow in grace here. You'll grow in grace here. Two different, two different passages with the same warning, the same plan. What's the plan? We need the church to grow in grace. Everybody bow your heads, please.